everyone, and welcome back to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. I am your host, Brandon, here with Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Uh, I think it's been a while, not sure, but, uh, you know, live recording. We've been doing it, enjoying it, so uh, today's going to be a great day. Let's get it. Uh, let's go. And we got Dan. Hey there. Going forward for this episode, I shall now be known as Scarface. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Am I not allowed to claim that title? You get Scar- excuse me, Scarface now? That's your new name? Oh, just for yeah, this slightly, episode. Slightly different type of gangster in that one. Uh, yeah. Scarface Scarface Dan. Like, oh, man, I'm Mr. Scarface Dan. Say hello to my <laughs> little don't friend. Work. You, gotta have, you gotta have something. It's gotta rhyme with You gotta send the rhymes or something. Like Dan the Dummy or something, you know? Like, it's gotta be something like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I always get called that quite a bit, so. Hello, <laughs> Dan the Dummy. Oh, man, he's crazy. Or whatever it is. Oh, Johnny Two Thumbs. You know, Johnny Two Thumbs. Ah, that guy's all thumbs. Yeah, he's all thumbs. He has two of them, man. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, are we restarting? Can we, can we stop no, this we're not restart? restarting. No way. They can enjoy the greatness. Uh, 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 Twitter slash X uh, at WWST underscore podcast. Uh, merch link in the description of the episode. You know how it is. Um, season two, episode 17, a piece of the action, original air date, January 12th, 1968. And the enterprise be flying towards an earth like planet and Chekhov informs Kirk that they're approaching Sigma, uh, Eosha two. He says Eosha, but later they say Iosha either way. Uh, they only mentioned it like twice in the, uh, in the episode anyway. The, the planet looks really good too. Visually. Yeah. Well, yeah, the remaster. Um, actually, somebody on Twitter hit us up with uh, where we could find the original, original ones without all of the updated CGI and stuff. If we ever wanted to check those out. Ah, uh, okay. So that, I don't know. I, I might just, check I, out one or two of those. I, I'm really enjoying the remastered version because I really like how everything looks old but has nice polish to it. I don't know if I can go through the original, you know, SD version of it and, and go through yeah. it. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. I'm well, a 4K they they did a really guy. good job of not making the CG stuff stand out, like making it seem out of place. Yeah. Well, they've only added it in the places that it like it need to be added though, like in the real small right. scenes, like so they haven't made it terrible. I think I think it's been good the whole time. I just um, you know, I've been enjoying it. It, it yeah, has that yeah. classic look, but in high def almost. Right, and like their color correction and like the, when they cleaned up the film and everything, uh, it, everything just looks really good. Like nothing looks out of place, which is really cool. So Uhura informs Kirk that she has received vocal contact from a, an official station, and they were relayed to a man named Oxmix, which is really going to be fun, and there's no way I'm going to fumble saying that one <laughs> 600 times in this. Uh, but Oxmix's title is Boss. So Kirk chuckles, and he has her put Oxmix, Oxmix on. See, I did it already. He, he sounds like a rapper. Oxmix, Maybe call him O. Just call him Ox. Just call him Ox or O. You know, let's, let's shorten it for it. Make it easy for you. <laughs> Knock the old Mr. Olson. So Kirk introduces himself and Oxmix asks Kirk if he's from the same outfit as the Horizon. And Kirk confirms that he is, but he says that the Horizon and its crew were lost shortly after leaving Oxmix's planet and that they only just now received the radio report last month. And Oxmix is confused. He's like, well, the Horizon left 100 years ago. So Kirk explains that they received the report late because it was sent by a conventional radio and their system is on the outer edge of the galaxy. And they also don't have subspace communications in those days. You know what's kind of cool about them putting, uh, saying that all up? We kind of know where uh, they're at in the Milky Way if they're on the outskirts then. 
they're like on the outer outer rim of uh, our galaxy. Yeah, they're just way out there. Which I mean, we are. I mean, I guess Earth isn't like way out on the edge, but we're not towards the middle by like any. Right, any we're semi close to the edge. Yeah, we're kind of like on an arm. So the, apparently they're just headed outwards. Yeah, damn, why sh- they should have headed inwards because they could have hit a lot more planets that way, <laughs> like a lot more systems. <laughs> if you've ever played Elite Dangerous, you know that once you hit towards that middle, man, it gets crazy in there. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I, some, some I haven't played before. Yeah, Elite know. Dangerous is a, a space game that has, uh, what is it, 500 billion star systems you can go to. And like 99.99999% of them have nothing on them. You can land on like just billions and billions of planets. They're all different, but they might as well all be the same because they don't have shit. Is that going the one for where them. you discover planets or whatever? And yeah. then you can name them? Oh, okay. I heard of that. Okay. Well, you also get punished it. for going way inwards because don't doesn't it take forever to get back? Yes, forever. Not as much now as it used to in the old days, but yeah, it still takes forever. Like a really long time. Anyway, uh, Oxmix questions what they're on the edge of. He's like, we're on the edge of the what now? And Kirk says that he'll explain it more in person. So Kirk goes on to say that they're not going to land, but that they're going to transport people down. And he notes that that may also be difficult for them to understand, and he will explain that more in person as well. So Kirk asks where they can meet, and Oxmix says that there's an intersection at the end of the block near a yellow fire plug, which is a fire hydrant. And Scotty locks on the coordinates, and Kirk tells Oxmix that he's going to be there in five minutes. Kirk goes to leave, and McCoy and Spock enter the bridge, and Kirk's like, well, uh, we're all going to beam down standard equipment, and then they just turn around, and they all get in the elevator, and they're like, shit, we just got here. Well, what, what do you think <laughs> yeah, uh, Bones and Spock were talking about in the elevator before they entered the room? Oh, God. Uh, what, what kind of day Bones is going to be today? <laughs> Bones was probably talking about a moral dilemma, and Spock was trying to find the logical conclusion to it. Yeah, you know what I see <laughs> that. That's basically all they do. That's all they do. Their, their yeah. whole friendship's based around that notion. Yeah. They just ask, they ask them a, a weird question that he knows is illogical and just drives them crazy every time. How can you ask yeah. me the same question every time? You know how to know the answer to that or whatever. I can see it happening. Or, or maybe they were having a deeply personal moment and Spock's in there. He's like, I'm tired, Bones. I'm tired of pretending I don't have emotions. It all just gets to me. I go in my room at night and I just cry and cry because I have to be a, a heartless, cold machine. <laughs> then he's just straight face when he walks through the <laughs> door. Yep, just has to put on his brave face and keep going. Well, you know, Bones has to uh, uh, respect the doctor-patient uh, confidentiality so he can never yeah, say anything. He does. That's a good point. Great point. Uh, so Kirk explains to them that the Horizons contact came before the non-interference directive went into effect, which is really interesting. So, like, apparently that's one of those things where you go, well, why do we have that rule? And then you go, well, some idiot a long time ago yeah. messed something up for some planet. I feel like Paul's going to call this and now out. everybody has to wear certain kind of sleeves when they wear – I mean, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you didn't hear that. Never mind. Anyway, yeah. I have not heard that, and I don't have to abide by that until I'm told. But anyway, (laughs) McCoy thinks that they must have interfered with the planet's normal evolution, and Spock thinks that it'll be interesting to see the effects of the contamination. But Kirk says that they don't know if there is any contamination, and the evidence would only be circumstantial. So McCoy asks what the state of their culture was before the horizon arrived. Kirk responds that they were at the beginnings of their industrialization. So they go to the transporter room, and Spock explains that the Iotians are extremely intelligent and somewhat imitative. McCoy uh, sarcastically says that they're going down to recontaminate them. He's like, yeah, great. We're just going to go down here and mess them up even more. 
And Spock explains that if damage has been done, then they have to repair it. Well, Kirk doesn't want any more arguing, so they go to the transporter room and they beam down. You know you know what's great about this episode? It's one of actually Paul's biggest complaints about the show is that they go around to all these planets that are undeveloped and they mess with their culture so much that we don't ever see the repercussions of that. In this episode, we finally get to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, bro. I agree. That's one yeah. of my things, too. I'll, and I, then I always wondered uh, what would happen if we saw if they, if they didn't find a smart way to interfere. So I think a couple times... Um, I've seen other space shows that are uh, more focused on interference. So they'll visit a planet and I'll make it real sneaky in there and it make interference. So when I see stuff like this, I always make, bring up the interference parks. I think it's crazy that they go in there and just destroy cultures and we'll never know what happens afterwards. Yeah, so that is really cool that we get to see the effects of that in this one. So they beam down into a normal looking intersection near a yellow fire hydrant and then they almost get run over by a 1920s car. Like, why did they beam down literally in the intersection when there's sidewalks all over the place? That is kind of weird. Unless he just just assumed that he was going to have it ready for them, but I don't know. Yeah. What if they beam down like into the car? They just like their atoms fuse and they're part of it. Don't even go there because I've already (laughs) asked those crazy questions in my head that I knew I didn't want to say out loud. So I don't want to seem like an idiot by asking these questions, but. You know, like, I figure all planets should have a designated, like, off-limits uh, safety trans- area, uh, transport area. That way, anytime we land somewhere, there should be a safe area. Like, you're not allowed to even stand there, just in case. Well, if you notice, like, anytime they beam to, like, an official station or anything, they have that. Like, they beam from one transporter to another. But most of the places that they go, like, their whole mission is to go to uncharted places and meet new civilizations. So they're not going to have anything like that. They just got to take a guess where they're landing. And they always seem to be land in the middle of town, though. Like, why don't we land outside the town, uh, observe the clothes they're wearing, change our clothes. Maybe we can blend in a little bit. Like, (laughs) hey, you know, not like, oh, hey, look at us. Look at us. Look at us. We look way different. And my issue is nobody looks at them weird. Nobody gets them like, yo, what what are they wearing? Look like every every time travel thing in history. Let's do turn travel. That's a reference right now. Everybody sees that person like, yo, why are they not wearing what we wear? And everything ever. So the fact they didn't recognize that at all, I find that kind of weird. Didn't, nobody gave them a second look. I watched everybody walk by. I watched them all. Yeah. They, yeah. Just, they looked at them, they're regular and just kept walk, walking on. Also, uh, if you get transported down and you transfuse into a car, I believe that's how Transformers came about. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's yeah. how Transformers were made. <laughs> you learn something new every day. <laughs> uh, also, they do sometimes, um, a few times in the series, they've uh transported outside of like the village or whatever and then they like move in to study it but yeah a lot of times that does not happen yeah this like right in middle time i I think i can recall like once or twice well that that and no one like freaked out seeing just people materialize in front of them like nope just going on my business yeah it's been a hundred years since we saw this and it's like a rumor uh the only thing is legend by now Let's be real here. Probably think it's legend. Like, oh man, there was a there's I swear a hundred years ago a guys in ships came and visited us in his office. Oh whatever mom Whatever, mom. That's what grandma says. Grandma's crazy. She doesn't know. Grandma's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, then they really believe, you know what I'm saying? So, like, and nobody's been there in a hundred years. They show up. There's no screaming. There's no panic. There's no honking. There's no, everybody should have their guns out immediately. Yeah, it's not mass chaos. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's not something, because I know if right now if an alien landed in, in the middle of the street in my town, <laughs> and whatever, somebody you, be in your pants. <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you. I just, they react, and, and if I walk by, walk by them, I didn't notice something. Like, 
I don't know. I just I, I find it kind of weird. And everybody in this city is packing, so like there would have just been a, <laughs> a hail of gunfire. Yes, <laughs> they just all pulled the guns. Like, yo, what is that? I, I'm not saying they're going to shoot first. I'm really just saying everybody would have the guns out. Like, yo, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, what, a, what is this? I, I'm either going to crap yeah. my pants or be like, dude, the, my my acid days back in the day are coming back to haunt me because those people just came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they, they transport down, they look around, and uh, McCoy says that it's like coming home. Kirk says that home was never like that, and then uh, they start to walk down the street a little bit. McCoy says that he's seen pictures of the old days, uh, the the old days were like that, and Spock notes that some of the people walking by have firearms, and what he meant to say is like everybody walking Literally. by has firearms. <laughs> yes. Fully automatic firearms. Yeah. Everybody has firearms, yeah. Suddenly, two men come up from behind them and point their Tommy guns at uh, Kirk and crew. And the men tell the crew members to get petrified. And Spock is <laughs> like, well, okay, can you explain that? <laughs> uh, so one man says that he wants to uh, see them turn to stone and tells them to put their hands over their heads or they ain't going to have no head to put their hands over. <laughs> so we get the show, show opening from here. Um, to get petrified, I was like, "Oh yeah, Father Fantasy, petrified." He turned him stone, and then he said, "Turn the stone afterwards." I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, you just said it for me. Like, get petrified. I like that one. Yeah, I don't know why, but that I've never heard somebody say that before. I didn't even know that was even a term for back in the day. We, we got to bring thing, it back. Yeah, <laughs> get petrified is one we got to bring back. Yeah, because freeze is uh, pl- free is played out now. Animal, animal I feel like get petrified was not a thing. I feel like that's nah. something they made up for this. I don't. I feel <laughs> yeah, like nobody I, ever said I, that. I, I'm saying we need to. We need to make it one though. It's too wordy. Get petrified. I like that. Yeah. Like what? It's get too petrified, wordy. son. <laughs> get petrified. Give me all your money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, get petrified. I like it. Oh, I like it a lot. We come back from the show opening and the crew hands over their communicators and phasers as one of the gangsters asks Kirk what their their phaser is. And Kirk says that it's a weapon. And the guy, he says it's a heater. And he says that the boss will love it as he puts it in his pocket. So he's like, yeah, you got a cool little heater here. Yeah, give me the heater. The burner. Kirk explains that uh, they were asked to go to the planet by Oxmix. And the man says that he knows that. And the boss said that some of the boys would meet the crew. So they're meeting them. Uh, McCoy says that the firearms aren't necessary and the man asks McCoy if he's trying to make trouble and uh, he says not to give him those baby blue eyes because he doesn't go for that innocent routine (laughs) don't give him those baby blue eyes I didn't know I didn't know that's actually a a term for back then so Spock asks if everyone there carries firearms the man says that he's never heard such a stupid question in his life (laughs) and McCoy asks if they can go see Oxmix and the man's like yeah get moving down the street so they walk a little bit, and uh, a car comes flying around the corner, and it does a drive-by. So we got we got a drive-by with Tommy Guns and Star Trek. I never thought yes. I was going to see that. I know. I was like, wow, for real. Everything I ever wanted in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, the drive-by, th- those bullets, quote-unquote, should have broke the window. That they oh, got- yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, yeah, I, but, I don't, uh, I don't think that. I don't think the, the, the drive-by shooter put all those rounds to that guy. <laughs> hey, you, you don't know. know. He's, it's their societies like this. They got to be really accurate. One thing's episode missing, by the way, that I I found kind of weird. There was no love interest for Kurt. Yeah, which, which, which is a good thing. Like, which is a good thing uh, overall. But I I just knew there was going to be some love interest for Kurt. I just 
I don't know why. I just thought it would. I thought it would be because it would fit perfect in the middle of the story, but it didn't. So I, I'm glad there's not though, because I honestly we just came off an episode where they did that and it just well they it do it every old. episode, which is why yeah. I was like I just knew they were going to do it this episode. I'm, I'm glad they didn't do it, but I just I knew they were. Yeah. So yeah, one of the uh, people escorting Kirk and crew gets killed, and uh, Kirk and everybody they all hide, and uh, so the the one guy that's left he returns fire. And he says that Krakow's getting more gall all the time. <laughs> gall? Krakow. Gall? Yeah. Gall. Yeah, he's getting gall. Yeah. Getting gall, man. Kirk asks if this is how they greet all of their guests. And the man say, uh, says that it happens. He's like, it happens sometimes. And McCoy's like, hey, that other guy over there is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you sad your friend yeah, died? Like, about this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not paying attention to him at all. They, have no, they don't care about that at all. Yeah, so the dude, he's just like, well, we're not playing for peanuts. He's like, ain't you ever seen a hit before? <laughs> and Spock, <laughs> Girl, dead body did nothing to him. Spock just says that there are several questions that he'd like to ask. And the man says that he's going to have to ask the questions to the boss because he don't know nothing. He's like, hey, that guy's dead. We ain't playing for peanuts. And Spock's like, I have questions. Like, There's a lot going on here. Why are you killing pe- people over peanuts? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they just they casually continue their stroll like they weren't just the victims of a drive by, and McCoy points out that they uh, found the contamination that they were looking for, and Kirk argues that the Horizon crew wasn't composed of cold blooded killers and that they didn't report the culture in this state. So suddenly a woman approaches. Uh, Callow is the guy's name that's escorting them. We find that out here. She asks when the boss is going to fix the streetlights. And then another woman comes running up and she asks when they're going to get laundry pickup because they haven't seen a truck in three weeks. And Callow's just tells them to write the boss a letter. And the one girl says that she did and that he sent it back with postage due, which is <laughs> just hilarious. <laughs> That's dirty. That, that, that make you not want, not want to like this guy so much. I just, he sent it back. <laughs> he yeah. made no postage. <laughs> Uh, the first woman says that they pay their percentages and they're entitled to a little service for their money. And Callow just tells them to get lost. So they do. They just get lost. They're like, all right, he's right. It's a good thing. They're, they just didn't get randomly angry. Just pull out their guns and start firing. And I'm like, well, I, there have to be a lot of shootouts in this in this city. Right. Like every everybody's packing every day. Every little argument has to lead to that. It happens all the time in, in life. So I'm assuming it happens all the time in this city. Just. Right. Over nothing. So they continue walking as Callow says that the people have nothing to do but complain. And Kirk asks if that's how their citizens do business. But Callow just says that they pay their percentages and the boss takes care of them. Callow brings them to Oxmix, who for some reason decides to get out of his chair and play pool when his guests are announced. Like, over the, like they announced them over the loudspeaker. They're like, hey, like Oxmix, your your guests are here. And he's like, oh, I got to look cool. And he just gets out of his chair and just <laughs> yep. goes there to play pool. He, he, he put on his glasses. He, you know, with the... Play pool, you know, walked up real cool, a little smooth, that 1920 style. Which, yeah. he wasn't even playing pool correctly. No. <laughs> he just got over there and started hitting the ball around. <laughs> yeah. You mean we didn't hit the white ball first? And I was yeah. like, uh, uh, I, I let it go. Like, Yeah, Alien Planet, it's different uh, there. Yeah, yeah, I let it go. But, but the funny part is the next scene, he is shooting the white ball the whole time, right? So maybe he wasn't paying attention at first. So somebody mentioned it to him, and they fixed it, but they didn't fix the first shot. I just don't understand why he did that to begin with. Like, he could have just been still sitting in his chair. Like, I feel like that would have been fine. And he never even let Kate, he never let Kirk take a shot at pool. It's like, hey, play some pool with me. Oh, wait, I'm not going to let you play at all. He's too busy talking. Yeah. You think Kirk would know how to play pool? Oh, absolutely. That was He's the been question in a few I bars. Had. 
Yo, I was waiting for that, actually. I was waiting for that to happen to see if he knew how to play, play pool or not. Yeah, I bet he's good at it. He's good at everything. Yeah, he's good at everything. He had to ask, ask the rules. Oh, this is like the old game, blah, blah, blah. We used to play growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Like, oh, just like that, huh? Yeah, so they all enter the room, and Oxmix asks which one of them is a captain, and Kirk says that it depends. And Oxmix laughs, and he tells Kirk to make himself a drink. So Kirk refuses the drink and inter- introduces his crew. And Oxmix, uh, his name, I think, is also Bella, so I might just call him Bella because I'm going to get tired of saying Oxmix. Uh, but Bella tells Kahlo to put the chopper down, and he tells Kirk to pick up a cue. So the chopper being uh, the Tommy gun. <laughs> He's like, put your chopper down. Chopper. Uh, it's a whole other meaning to get to the chopper. Uh, Bella apologizes for his men, and he says, you can't be too careful these days. And McCoy agrees, considering what they've seen so far. So Kirk just asks Bella what he's the boss of, and he explains that he has the biggest territory in the world. And he says that the only thing wrong with having the biggest territory is there's always some young punk trying to cut you out. So Kirk asks him if, uh, he asks Oxmix if he is a government, and Oxmix says that there is no government, and he has the territory and he runs it. So Kirk wants to know uh, if there are other friendly territories and bosses, and Oxmix just says that there are about a dozen or so, not counting uh, the small fry people. Spock asks that if that includes someone named Krako, and this is Oxmix gets really serious. And he asks how they know about Krakow, and Callow explains that Krakow hit them on the way there. It's the K's and the O's and Callow's and Krakow's. Yeah, it's a, it's a little wild. It's a little crazy. Yeah, they couldn't have given them just normal names. Like, if they're really stylizing themselves after, like, the 1920s culture, like, how come none of them are named, like, Bob? <laughs> well, maybe uh, during John the 1920s, Sal- there were a lot of Krakow's back then. Yeah. Salvatore. Yeah, I remember the famous Krakow um, bank robbers. Salvatore something, you know. Yeah, something. Tom, if you're gonna bring up Johnny. stereotype, then get it. Yeah. What would what, yeah. what yeah, be too on the nose? Yeah, couldn't, yeah, couldn't use all the famous ones. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So Oxmix tells Kahlo to hit them back hard, and Kahlo says that he'll take care of it. I like that, and I like, like the guy that played Kahlo, I think, is a good fit for a gangster. Oh, like, absolutely. He, really he, had, well. he had the mob boss look yeah. to him. Yeah. Uh. So Spock, he's just kind of walking around, which is like he's just like he owns a place. He's just casually strolling through the room and he finds a book and the book is titled Chicago Mobs of the 20s. And Oxmix is just playing some pool still. And like this is when it's really weird because they're just having this conversation and Spock's just like, hey, come over here and check out this book. So Kirk just does like he leaves the conversation and he goes over to look at the book that says that it was published in 1992. And Kirk asks uh, Oxmix where he got it. And Oxmix says that the book that's the book. It's like their Bible, basically, and it was left there by the horizon. So Spock believes that that is the contamination that they're looking for, and he says that the entire culture is based on that book. So Oxmix gets upset about them talking about the book, and uh, Kirk asks if the horizon left any others. Oxmix says that they left some textbooks on how to make radio sets and stuff like that, and he says that he brought uh, the crew down to help him, not to ask him questions. And after they're done, he's going to answer anything that they want. So Kirk asks what it is that they want. And Oxmix talks to him about how uh, the feds have probably made a lot of improvements since the horizon. And they probably have all kinds of fancy heaters up there. And he wants their weapons so he can knock off his enemies and take over. It would have been funny. Kirk's like, yeah, we got heaters up there. It's pretty warm. He's like, what are you talking (laughs) about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, nobody referred to it at all. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, So he says that uh, he has some hits to make and he wants Kirk's help. 
And Spock says that it's fascinating but impossible, and Kirk starts to explain that his orders won't allow him to help. But Oxmix says that he's not interested in Kirk's orders, and from now on, Kirk is going to take orders from him. So he gives Kirk eight hours to get him what he wants, or he's going to call the ship and have them pick up Kirk in a box. And he snaps his fingers, and Kahlo and another man flank Kirk with their guns. And then we go to a commercial break. So they just, like, come up on either side of him, pointing their Tommy guns at him. You know, at this point, I, yeah, I, I thought that if the Enterprise was smart, they should develop some kind of tool that they can just hit, like, the little pouch that will just teleport them back up to the ship automatically. Right? Because they seem to get captured a lot. Yeah, like an emergency get the hell out of here Yeah. Button. Yeah, but that's what I like about the next generation when the uh, the emblem is the, the communicator and mm. the next generation, it, you know, the, that way is they, they got uh, something to reckon on them at all times that has like a GPS locator on them, kind of. Right. Unless you're Kirk and you're always shirtless, then you're out of luck. They should have it embedded <laughs> into his skin. Kirk is rarely shirtless, okay? Rarely. Rarely. He's we, shirtless. Okay. No, yeah, he's I, don't know, I wouldn't not. say it's he's rarely it's shirtless. It's not regular. It's not rare, but it's just, more often than it needs to be. No, we just recognize it when it happens as a, like, just because. But he's rarely, he's been, what, well, I sure what, maybe four or five times, maybe? Okay, like, how many of the other people in this show have been shirtless four or five times? <laughs> okay, that, listen, that's not the point right now, sir. The point is that Kurt's been shirtless maybe four or five times. And uh, and it you, mattered, okay? He's working out in the, in the gym. He's supposed to have no shirt on. See, he, he, you you think that's a Shatner thing? Or did they ask him to do that? See, like, hey, I'd really like to be shirtless. Yeah, he, he's out in his contract. Like, I nah. got shirtless every four <laughs> yeah, episodes. That was a Shatner thing, bro. He worked out for that body. You know he was. You know he wanted to show it off. Come They're on, like man. Bill. There's no reason for you to be shirtless. And he's like, Well, either I'm shirtless or I walk. So they just let him be shirtless. <laughs> why, do you have to be shirt- why do you have to be shirtless? Negotiating. <laughs> Kirk, you're on a frozen wa- wasteland planet. I don't care. Shirtless or nothing. Three episodes a year, he has to be shirtless, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no matter what. It, a minimum of four where his shirt is ripped. Well, we got that in the last episode. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so man. we come back from the commercial and Callow tosses Oxmix Kirk's phaser and communicator and uh, he says that he doesn't know what they are and Oxmix points the phaser at the floor and he goes to try it out but Kirk stops him and he says that it could knock out that side of the the building and Oxmix says that he wants another hundred of the fancy heaters and there won't be any trouble but Kirk just says nah we, we can't really do that which do you think they even yeah they have to have at least a hundred on the ship right they have like 400 something people oh, oh yeah they sure. got a hundred easily yeah, they probably got about a thousands in there. They gotta have backups. Well, yeah, they, they got the heavy they ones. Have repair kit, repair. Yeah, they probably got a bunch in there. Uh, Oxmix says that he usually gets what he wants, and he asks about the communicator. But Kirk doesn't immediately answer, so Oxmix orders the guy with the Tommy gun to burn him. <laughs> so just shoot him, I guess. Uh, Kirk speaks up, and he says it's a communication device. And uh, Oxmix tells Kahlo to take them to the warehouse and put them in, a, in the bag and keep an eye on them. Kahlo and the other man then uh, take the crew away as Oxmix tries out the communicator. And he actually calls Scotty. He just opens up the communicator and starts talking to Scotty. Hey, you. Hey, yo, what up, though? Yeah, he's like, hey, guy, on the other end of this thing, uh, we need 100 of the fancy heaters and some men to show us how to use them. So Spocky asks if he's understanding that Oxmix is holding Kirk and crew and Oxmix gives his timeline of eight hours, and he says that he'll put the hit on Scotty's friends. And he asks if Scotty understands, and Scotty says that he doesn't know. <laughs> He's just really confused. <laughs> Scotty's like, is it that cold down there where they need heat? <laughs> yeah, the frozen wasteland. I was a little confused uh, why he used his whole name. Like, this is Bella Oxmix, blah, blah, blah. Like, he told the ship who he was. 
Yeah, well, because he's the big guy. He's the boss. Yeah, What's his name? I, I don't Bella know. Oxnix. I just, you know, yo, this is Oxnix. Like, that is, I don't know why I wouldn't say, hey, this is Paul Crowder. Like, this is Paul Crowder. <laughs> well, well you can't be saying your last name blah, 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 out here, Paul. Well, well, no. Oh, shit, my bad. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know. We did that seasons ago. It's okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all up in my staying already. The point is, you know, I can't be like, yo, hey, you know, first and last name. Yeah, well, I mean, like, when I'm doing something like more, I guess, quote unquote, professional or like dealing with somebody like, say, recently, like if I have to call somebody about scheduling vehicle maintenance or like dealing with all the insurance shit of the my past mishaps, like I always use my first and last name, just like, you know who it is. Like how many other people named Brandon around there? Like, is it Brandon? Brandon who? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just felt like. I just feel like saying your full name to the people you're about to ask for a hundred heaters or whatever just doesn't seem a little, a little much to me. Oh, he's a big you know? boss. Everybody yeah. knows who he is anyway. Right. It's like okay. this is the boss or something. Like something that you said putting your whole name out there. I don't know. I just felt like you know, yeah. you would identify yourself in negotiations. There, there's, only, there's only one big boss. No. Mm. Yeah, just, <laughs> there's there's posters of this guy around the city with his first and last name on it. It's fine. Yeah. But Oxmix hangs up, and Scotty has Lieutenant Hadley check the language banks to find out what a heater is. He has no clue. Uh, in the warehouse, which I feel... Okay, before we even get going, like I feel like context is important here, and Scotty should have figured that out. Like, context clues, my guy. I don't know. A hundred... I don't know. He probably didn't... He, maybe he could thought it was batteries. He could thought anything. I, I just... Even though the context matters, I I, I don't think he kn- knows what he wanted, so I get I guess Scotty's confusion. Uh, yeah, I, I can give Scotty a break. Just imagine... Uh your grandparents talking old school language that they grew up with. I'm like, what? I can't give any breaks. This, <laughs> this show needs to be perfect for me. I mean, you say, hey, I need 100 heaters and some people to show me how to use them. Like, you could probably figure that out. Like, like you're going to have a few guesses, but I'm sure you can come to the right conclusion. I, I, I'd be no, like, it could have been, doing... been a heater. But in the context they could be cold the thing, down there. It could, be, it could be an actual heater, and he's a hundred people to come teach him how to use. The no, heater. they know that they were <laughs> handed just, down I, to a 1920s society. They know no, they, that they were they dealing with a stunted they society. Know everything. They were they shocked know, to see all the people with guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they should have known. I mean, I'm just they saying they went. They went in their little naked. They didn't have all information. They should knew what was going on. They didn't know what was going on until they got there. Remember. They didn't know it was 1920s place until they got there. Until he landed, he's like, "Oh, look, it's not, it's, a, it's based on 1920s rules." He didn't. They didn't know before they got there. Therefore, it should work out that way. Obviously, that book must have had pictures of cars in there, also, because they definitely stole that. Like, oh, <laughs> so uh, so if it would have been future tech with 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 1920s clothes, you liked it better. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying, like the. <laughs> uh, the, the book itself was that had a lot of old school stuff in there. So like, hey, this is what, you know, guns look like. And this is what cars look like. Well, not yeah, even like what they look like, but like how, how they work. Yeah, how they work. How, yeah, they how work. you make them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Like, you can't make like a car off a picture of a car because you're only seeing the outside of it. Well, and if they can, they should be way more advanced because that's pretty, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, but anyway, uh, in the warehouse, uh, Callow and two others are playing cards, and Kirk and his crew sit on some crates and barrels that have, for some reason, big X's on them. I don't know what would be in those. Like, it's either alcohol or porn. <laughs> both. Uh, yeah, or both. The alcohol and porn. Both. Uh, and they talk about how the book on Chicago gangs is basically their Bible and is the basis for the whole society. 
And Kirk notes that how in Chicago, the conventional government almost broke down when the gangs almost took over, which I feel like that's still currently happening. Yeah, so I don't know. Not, not much has changed in the last hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> or it has happened again. Like it hits yeah. repeating itself. Um, Spock says that Oxmix's goal is correct and that the society must come together or it will fall into anarchy. And Kirk believes that the Federation is responsible for the mess and that they have to be the ones to straighten it out. So he wants Spock to get to the sociological computers to look for a solution, but Spock doesn't have access and doesn't think that the gangsters are going to allow him access to those. So Kirk says that he has an idea, and they go and they approach the gangsters, who all grab their guns, and Kirk says that the card game that they're playing is a kid's game and that he wouldn't waste his time on it. And he says that on Beta Antares 4, they play a real man's game, but he says that it wouldn't interest the gangsters because it requires intelligence. (laughs) Uh, so Kahlo tells Kirk, uh, he's like, hey, show us how to play this. And Kirk tells them that the cards on Beta Antares are a little different, but they're not too different. And that the name of the game is Fizbin. And he's just making this up as he goes along. It's the most confusing bullshit that I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it, he explains but it's that each player gets six cards, except for the dealer. And the player on the right gets seven cards. And the second card is turned up, except on Tuesday. And uh, he says that Kahlo, <laughs> like, he starts dealing, and he says Kahlo got two jacks, so he has a half Fizbin already, and Kahlo's, like, into this. He's like, hell yeah, I'm winning. <laughs> and uh, he, he's like, oh, I just I just need another jack. But like, Kirk explains yeah. that if he got another jack, he'd have a shrunk, and then he'd be disqualified. <laughs> so he says that Kahlo needs either a king or a deuce, except at night, and he'd need a queen and a four. And then he deals again, and Kahlo gets another jack. Which, what are the odds? Like, he got three of the four jacks like, I, I all felt in like, a row. Somebody I, didn't I almost shuffle. felt like Kirk was, like, somehow manipulating the cards and knew where they were at at this point. Yeah, he's like, he's like a magician almost. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't sure. It wasn't so, normal. He explains that if Kahlo had gotten a king, then he'd need another card, except when it's dark and he'd have to give it back. And Kahlo's like, well, yeah, like if it was dark on a Tuesday. And Kirk <laughs> says that says that Kahlo is after a royal Fizbin, and the odds of getting that are astronomical. And he, he turns to Spock, and he's like, Spock, what are the odds of getting a royal Fizbin? And Spock's like, I've never computed them. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no, they're astronomical, for, for sure. Like, yeah. Spock drives me crazy sometimes, by the way. Just play along, like, dude. He, d- like, he just yeah. doesn't follow. He, like, why aren't you following along? Like, like you're so logical, but and you're so smart. Can't you see what Kirk's doing? Like you should yeah. pick it up immediately. Just ride along with me, ride on a journey, and just I, and, and I, just and trust. I actually think that's one of Spock's greatest weakness. Like, like he to his read credit, the, he gets into the, it at the end of this episode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But but he, it takes him a long time to read the the, the like the hey you got me like the the it's kind of a thing we have where we kind of like look at each other and we kind of just know what we need to do at that moment. Right. And like some and sometimes the intuition of like partnership just works for some people. And even even as friends or jokes or somebody, you look at somebody and you kind of like, and you guys both know you got on the same wave, or whatever. He can't do that, and I feel like sometimes it causes why he's thinking about the issue. The issues, the, the he's he may react too late because he's still thinking about his reaction or whatever, you know? Right. I just, and and this is why I maintain that if Kirk and Spock were having war games with each other, Kirk would win. Yeah, because Spock just can't think outside the box. Yeah, he's yeah. illogical. That's his greatest weakness. Yeah, a, but okay. but to that also, like you would think that even in, in like in this specific situation, he would go, "Okay, it's logical for me to make up some bullshit here to help Kirk out." So I should yeah. just like you can say 
without even if he doesn't want to lie he could say that the odds of getting a royal fizzbin are astronomically low because it, the game doesn't exist so it is astronomically low you cannot get yes. a royal fizzbin because it does not exist you know what i'm actually exactly. gonna, i'm gonna lay the blame on the feet of kirkness one bones is right there bones would have totally gone yeah. with it yes he yeah. would have but but it's but it's fun but it's more fun if it's spock and not bones oh for sure yeah you know just way more yeah so yeah, I understand. It's just very like his. I don't know. Just his uh, his logical thinking. Sometimes I find it's so great and right at th- some moments, and other times like, yo, I know you see what I'm trying to do here, man. Like I'm trying to get these guys on the side over here. Like plus, like without going so deep, if he had even looked at the book, wouldn't Spock know the rules? Therefore, he would be able to adapt society faster because he looked at that book and, and studied the law their laws real quick. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's just very weird. Right. Um, so Kirk goes on to explain that the last card is called a Kronk, and he accidentally drops a card, like accidentally on purpose, and uh, when Kahlo bends over to pick it up, Kirk flips the table, and Spock does the Vulcan nerve pitch on Kahlo while Kirk and McCoy take out the other two men. So, all of this just seemed so unnecessary. They, like, they literally just walked up to these dudes. Why not just attack them then? Like, why, why did you have to yeah, why the bullshit of the made-up card game? Yeah, it's like, this... Add this little comedic joke in there just because they thought it would be funny. I, I get it. I get yeah. it. I just this episode. This episode episode is a very good thing of balancing the seriousness and the ridiculousness at the same time. Right. You know, like we know it's ridiculous, but we're but we're enjoying it rather than complaining about it. Yeah. You know, like so. I just this episode is a really good way of balancing how ridiculous it is because you know, like. The 1920s, the future, trying to balance it out together. And it normally would come out really, really bad, but somehow this works. I don't know how, but it does. Um, so they grab the guns, and Kirk tells Spock to find the radio station and cut in and get a hold of Ahura because she is listening in on all of the broadcasts, and then to get themselves beamed up to the ship while he goes over to Oxmix. And McCoy starts to eject, but or object, but Kirk says that the mess is their responsibility, and uh, that's an order, and then they split off. Uh, also, Kirk with a Tommy gun. Never thought I would see that. <laughs> yeah. There are so and many uh, screenshots. They never use them. There are so many screenshotable moments in this episode. Oh, absolutely. Like, yes. I was like, yo, dude. Uh, Brandon got so much trouble finding things like this because there's so many of them. I started writing down their timestamps, the ones I liked. <laughs> that way I can be like, yo, can you make me a cool image with this picture? <laughs> like, I just want to start out there. Spock in a gangster suit with his Tommy gun. Never did I know I needed Amazing. something so bad until I saw it. <laughs> it's so good. It yeah, is. so it's like there's so many moments in here that are so like, the frame is just so perfect. You're like, wow, this is so cool. Like, I'm really nerding out right now. Like, yeah. I, like a lot of those moments like that happen in this episode, so I appreciate that. Yeah, so Kirk is running down an alley, and a man with a Tommy gun stops him, comes up behind him, and says that they're going to go for a ride. Kirk says that he'd rather walk, but the man says that it can either be a taxi or a hearse. And then a car pulls amazing. up and Kirk is put inside. Yeah, oh yeah. Solid line. That's a that's a nineteen nineties uh that's a nineteen nineties quote for the old like one liners <laughs> back in the day. So we go to a radio station and Spock and McCoy enter a room and Spock just does this nerve pitch on this operator woman and just knocks her out. <laughs> he could have, yeah. I don't know, made something up to get her out of the room. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Dude. Why, why is she? Why is she just sitting in there? Like why? Why can you make it where no the room was empty? You know, yeah. like he, he gave well, her nerve I mean, pitch. I thought, she's I, thought a, she's, I, I figure like, she's like a broadcaster. Like she's. I the thought one. Spock was gonna go in there though, like you know, like being all nice and calm and whatever. He just grabbed her up quick and get, get her pants. I was like, oh, that's mean. 
Yeah. Like, I, I, I felt bad for her. I'd have, See, if it. It, she, yeah, if she's it, innocent. If it would have been Kirk, he would have seduced her. Spock's like, no, nah, I'm just going to knock her out. Yeah. <laughs> this is a faster route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the faster route. That's funny. Uh, Spock explains how they're going to use the radio. And uh, he's like, yeah, all I got to do is flip some switches here and this should work. And then it doesn't work, which he finds to be fascinating. <laughs> Uh, so he tries again, and then he does manage to get it to work, and he reaches Ahura, and he gives her their coordinates so that they can be beamed up. And then we go back to Kirk, and he arrives at the headquarters of the Southside Territory boss, Jojo Krakow. <laughs> what a name. I would not follow a guy named Jojo Krakow if he wanted to be, a, like, a mob boss. Like, I'm oh, sorry, yeah. I just can't. Like, your name is Jojo Krakow. Jojo Krakow didn't work for me. You see, if they would have uh, gone with Stan the Scarface, you would have been all over that. Yeah, <laughs> Scarface Dan. Scarface Dan. Uh, Krakow is throwing darts at a picture of Oxmix when Kirk is brought in, and he introduces himself to Kirk and explains that he knows all about Kirk because he has all of Oxmix's communications bugged. So Kirk assumes that he was brought there to make a deal, and Krakow and his man, whose name is Zabo, think that Kirk is sharp. They're like, "Do you think he's sharp?" He's like, "Yeah, he's really sharp." Uh, Krakow sends like he's just he has just this woman just hanging out with him. And he sends her over to Kirk, and she just starts rubbing his shoulders. And Kirk's like, "Hell yeah! Like I'm digging this right now." <laughs> See, and, uh, I would negotiate like this. We would have had a deal. We yeah, could have got you some heaters. <laughs> this negotiation is way better than the last one. So Kirk guesses that Krakow wants heaters and troops to teach him how to use them, uh, so Krakow can take over. And then they they'll talk about a reward when it's done. And Krakow's like, "No, that's wrong." Like he says that he's reasonable, and he'll cut Kirk Kirk in for a third if Kirk gets him what he wants. Uh, Kirk proposes that they all sit down and talk about just uniting the planet instead. And Krakow says the book tells him how to handle things. And then he's like, gets mad and he calls his woman away. So he's like, you're not cooperating. You don't get no more shoulder rub. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to rub around here. Oh, that's funny. He's a tough negotiator. Yeah. For real. Uh, Krakow asks if uh, Kirk thinks that they're stupid. He's like, you, th- you think, hey, you think we're like dumb here? And Kirk says that no, but he thinks that Krakow's behavior is arrested. And Krakow gets really angry and he says he's never been arrested in his whole life. <laughs> so Krakow threatens to let uh, Cyril the Knife see that is a mob name. Cyril the Knife. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's like, says he's going to let him loose and do his thing with Kirk if he doesn't come through with the heaters. And Kirk refuses. So Krakow tells Zabo to put Kirk on ice. A little later, Kirk is locked in an office, and then we get this scene where he just, like, is looking around at stuff, and he finds a, an old-timey radio, and then he opens it up and just starts doing something with it. And we go to the Enterprise, and Spock and McCoy have consulted the computer to find out how they can get out of the mess, but the computer has no answer. So Uhura announces that Oxmix is contacting them, and they patch him through. Oxmix asks how they got back to the ship, and he reveals that Krakow put the bag on Kirk. And Spock is like... Why would they put a bag on him? <laughs> <laughs> and Oxmix is like, well, it means kidnapped. And Krakow is going to scrag Kirk as well. Scrag is a new one for me. This other stuff I can all figure out, but like scrag does not seem like period appropriate. I don't know. Uh, it, they, it they, they may have said that, but it doesn't line up. It sounds out of place. Uh, Spock assumes that that's a bad thing. And Oxmix offers to help get Kirk back, saying that they can talk about their deal afterward. But Spock says that he doesn't trust Oxmix. So Oxmix offers the truce and or offers a truce and uh, offers to help spring Kirk and then they can all just talk about the deal. So he essentially just said the same thing he said the first time. He's like, 
like, let's all get Kirk back and then we'll talk about it. And Spock's yeah. like, I don't really trust you. And he's like, well, let's get him back and we'll talk about it. And Spock's like, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said Spike, it twice. Spock. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I believe y'all trust him. We got to trust him. Man, Spock, if you don't d- take your dumb, street, dumb, smart, mm, you know, <laughs> that's kind of, you know, the one the one guy you got that's like really, really book smart, but dumb, street smart. That's, that is Spock. Yep. It's like, yo, yeah. I, I I believe him, bro. He just lied to you more than what, less than an hour ago. Yeah, they, they tried to rob you, whatever. Tried to everything, and now you want to believe him? All of a sudden, give at his word, you go down there like an idiot, which is coming up in two seconds, and you get and you get kidnapped again. Dumb. Yeah. I All just, this nineteen twenty uh, lingo is really winning Spock over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's saying. Yes, to I don't anymore. know what I, it just made him dumb all of a sudden. Yeah, so but he decides to help because they have to get Kirk back, and it's the only way that he can see to do that since the computer apparently is of absolutely no help for some reason. Uh, honestly, just blow up the planet and leave. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to know? Who's going to know what it, happened? Oh, it, an asteroid hit it. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah, it did the Black hole. Uh, so McCoy questions the decision to work with Oxmix, but Spock explains that they really don't have a choice in the matter. And we go back to the planet, and Kirk is using his radio parts to set up a tripwire. So then he just starts slamming shit around, and just like yelling for help. And okay, why would this work? You put Kirk in a room by himself, and then you hear a noise, and he's in there asking for help, and you're like yelling for help. You're like. What is he doing in there? Like, why wouldn't you just peek in? Why would you go running in? Like, who else do you think is in there? You're guarding the only door, like the only entrance to this room. Yeah. But anyway, guy rushes in. He trips on the tripwire and he falls. And Kirk's soccer kicks him in the head. That, there's a good chance that guy will die from brain injury. <laughs> you can't just soccer kick people in the head when they're down. Well, if he has steel toe shoes on, he's definitely dying. Yeah, that dude is screwed. Uh, so another guy comes running in, and uh, he also trips. <laughs> we get this really weird fight where Kirk throws a blanket on the guy's head, and then yes. like spins him around a little bit, and then punches him in like the stomach, and, and that somehow and knocks him out. He gave him a three sixteen, gave him like a punch, and it was terrible. Look, <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. I loved every minute of it. It was so terrible. Oh, no, I was gonna say maybe that guy got the Houdini punch, and that's what knocked him out. <laughs> I feel like it was choreographed, but it was it was um it was uh, done wrong. It was, I just I feel like it was, it was not choreographed, and that guy couldn't figure out what the hell he was supposed to do because Shatner's like turning him. I think I think Shatner is the one that made the mistake by trying to turn, spin him around when he did it, and he was in a bad position. And they, they just said, "Screw it!" Like we we yeah, got that take. We're, let's, let's we're gonna let use go. that yeah. one. Uh, but Kirk takes his Tommy gun and he runs out of the room. Which I noticed that the second guy coming in must have ripped the trip wire out because Kirk just yeah, went right no through it. Yeah, the wire must have been down. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, I don't think there was one ever there to begin with. But they just had to pretend. But yeah, then uh, right. Shatner forgot and just kind of ran through it. I, I didn't realize that when you talk about him running out and didn't trip over the wire. That never entered my mind at all. So we go back to the Enterprise, and Spock and McCoy enter the transporter room, and Spock advises Scotty that they set a phaser on a strong stun. And McCoy agrees with Spock that yeah, they should definitely get some kind of weapons ready. And then they go to the transporter room and or to the transporter and they beam down. 
Uh, on the planet, Oxmix and his men are waiting for Spock to arrive, planning to jump them when they beam inside or when they beam in, since they can't do anything until they're through sparkling. Which is <laughs> hilarious that they actually acknowledge that effect that happens. That's an in-universe effect. That's not for TV. The show yeah. that they transported that is an in-universe effect. They so like, yeah, they're gonna come through. They can't move or do anything till they're done sparkling. Like it, it's canon. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really good. Uh, they arrive and uh, they are immediately flanked by the the men there, and then we go to commercial break. And then I get mad immediately once again because Spock, why are we here, bro? Uh, if, if they I'm had bones, to. It's the only way they could get Kirk. Ah, uh, no, that, there's something else we could do. No, because they don't even help. They do nothing but get caught. Yeah, got to think about it. Kirk figures their everything else on his own. So like, so I'm so if I'm Bones, I'm looking at Spock like, yo, why are we here, man? Like I told you, we we're here again. He kidnapped again. You gonna trust them again? And then by the time we get to the end, Kurt saves himself, but you know, without jumping ahead, you know. So like they did nothing but get caught again. Nothing, well, why, n- nothing they did for this moment on. They did was worth anything. Why, when they went back down, did they not take security guards with them? Or you know, or maybe f- uh, face some people outside of the area. Like I don't know something. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we captured again? Uh, I'm willing to let all of this stuff go just based on the goofiness of the episode. Like, it's one of those things where everybody does dumb shit and, like, none of it's serious at all. Like, they did not present any part of Like, they've been captured, they've had guns pointed at them, and they didn't present any of this in a serious manner. So I'm willing to just enjoy the ride on this one. (laughs) Like, I know Mm. I'm going to continue to make fun of some of the stuff, but it's because I enjoyed it, so. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we come back from the the commercial break, and uh, Spock gives a ship's log, which we don't really get ever it's really weird uh he's doing a ship log uh voiceover uh talking about how they were captured again as oxmix is taking their phasers and spock says that he thought that they had a truce and oxmix says that he'd hope those dummies would think that so he tricked them into coming down <laughs> Uh, how often do you think Spock gets called a dummy <laughs> not very often <laughs> never he's like what's a dummy yeah I mean, at this point, he's like, well, logically, I've been captured twice. I must be pretty dumb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I keep falling for the same trick. Uh, McCoy argues that they're there trying to help him. But Oxmix says that nobody helps nobody but himself. And Spock is like, that is a double negative. And Oxmix is like, what now? (laughs) Spock goes on to reason that they have even stated that they needed a unified authority on the planet. And Oxmix says that he wants to be the unity. But Spock suggests that they cooperate. And Oxmix explains that the most cooperative man in the world is a dead man. And if Spock doesn't shut up, he's going to be cooperating. <laughs> That's a really good threat. Another amazing little quote they put out there. Yeah. Uh, so Kirk enters the room with his Tommy gun and he disarms the guards, which is weird because it's two on one. They have more guns and more bullets, but whatever. And uh, Spock and McCoy take those guys or no, they take their, their phasers back and they explain that uh, why they had to go back to the planet and Spock explains that the computer can't find a solution since logic and practical information don't seem to apply. So Kirk says that he has a hunch that he wants to try, and Spock's like, all right, like right, what else are we doing? Uh, Kirk says that uh, now that they have Bella Oxmix, he's going to put the bag on Krakow. And Kirk grabs a man and pushes him against the pool table, and then he compliments the guy on the material of his suit and orders him to take it off. And the other guy's like, we ain't doing that. Like, it's just really weird. Why, why would we do that? And Kirk's like, now nah, you're going to take that suit off as well. And Kirk says that nobody's going to put the bag on him anymore. And the guys start undressing. I, I also never saw out here Kirk tell a guy to take his clothes off in this show. Yeah. 
I don't know. Kurt, he's a little busy. We never we don't know about Kurt. <laughs> uh, so we go a little bit later, and Kirk and Spock leave the building, and they are wearing the suits of the the guys that, that you know they just took the clothes off which, of, and they're carrying the Tommy guns, which perfectly fit them. That's pretty, uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty ironic. Yeah. What the irony is the moment I sell this, I thought my life is complete. This is incredible. <laughs> How did this happen? Like, Dude, who thought of this know. episode? You know like, that Shatner and Nimoy are, in, first of all, they're enjoying themselves. And yeah. second of all, like, they're feeling themselves in them outfits. And they should yeah. be, because they look fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, they look pimp. Yeah, it's just, and then, like, from this moment on, the rest of the episode of Perfection, let's just go whatever, from this moment on. Yeah. Because them, like, driving, getting the suits, and everything they do, is just, every moment is just more enjoyable laughing more like smiling more than the next for the rest of the way through so i just it's funny yeah they really like they had bits of like lightheartedness and comedy but they really leaned into it after this point like really yeah. just embraced the comedy of it because it's the, it's them in in gangster outfits like yeah yeah what the world what that, the that world. can't be and serious then, yeah yeah they got tommy then, guns I, yeah so then from that moment on they kind of made kept this this running joke that was amazingly uh, cleverly done well, so I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they go and they get into a car, and Kirk's like, huh, it has wheels. And uh, they take a second to figure out how to start it, and then uh, Kirk is just like grinding a gear as he tries to figure out how to drive it. And Spock explains how he's pretty sure it has something to do with a clutch. And uh, Kirk puts it in gear, and he notes that uh, he kind of likes it, and he, he, he thinks he wants one of those for himself. And then he drives <laughs> off, but he drives off in reverse. <laughs> like, so that, and it's, that, it's that amazing shot where the camera stays still, so you just see the car fly backwards, like you see the it's hood. And he just, hits a car behind a, him. Yes, yeah, really good. You just saw here the crash, so you get to imagine what happened, which is really clever. And then the whole time, this, the camera is just stationary, which is a, a fantastic choice, like for direction on this. It's just yes. like don't don't follow with it because then you kind of lose the effect. But yeah, the, he goes in reverse and hits a car behind him and then he puts it in gear and he moves forward but he's like lurching every few feet like Rocky was when he first got a car and said he was a great driver. <laughs> yep. I, I wish someone would have got out of the car that he hit. I'd be like, oh, my back, my back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish that on that guy. I lived that recently. It sucks. <laughs> but they arrive at Krakow's as Spock notes that while Kirk is an excellent starship commander, he leaves much to be desired as a taxi driver. And uh, Kirk's like, man, was it really that bad? And they get out of the car and they talk about how they need to get near the guards to stun them with their phasers because they can't do it out in the open. So they, I guess they just don't want to, like, show off that technology in the open is why they're not just, like, openly, sta- like, stunning people. I, yeah, I assume that's uh, more interference. We get a really funny, like, little scene here when they say that they can't do this stuff in the open. And uh, they cut to, like, so Krakow's uh, place has, like, a stoop and there's two guys with uh, Tommy guns just guarding the front door. And the, a lady walks by with a stroller, like a baby stroller. And one of the guards uses the barrel of his Tommy gun <laughs> to move the blanket inside yeah. the stroller to like, make sure there's a baby wow. in there. Like, was a baby. The this baby. <laughs> that baby like, was dude. about to be gone, man. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, man. Good thing he had good trigger discipline, I guess. For Actually, I didn't even see if he did. <laughs> uh, so Kirk notes that uh, they don't look like the trusting type. And then this kid with a knife just comes running up to them and asks if they're about to do a hit. And if they are, if he can watch, he points the knife at Spock and he's like, hey, where'd you get those ears? And uh, he asks if they're going to hit Krakow and says that uh, if they open up, they'll be scragged from every window on the street. 
So he offers to help them, but Spock believes that it's going to be too dangerous. And Kirk starts to say something about uh, out of the mouth of babes. And the kid interrupts him and he's like, who, like, who are you? Are you calling me a babe? I ain't no babe. No. <laughs> yeah. Kirk points the fucking Tommy gun at him. <laughs> he's like, yes, I am. <laughs> like, why did he put it at this kid? So he asks the, the kid, like, just holds the knife to him. After Kirk says, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm calling you a babe. And the kid, like, holds the knife basically to Kirk's throat. And Kirk's like, yeah, but it was nothing personal. <laughs> and uh, so they sit on the bumper and the kid explains that he can help them get in, uh, like, get into the place if he can get a piece of the action. And Spock says that the kid doesn't know what the action is. And the kid says that it has to be a thick percentage or they wouldn't be trying to hit Krakow. And Spike's like, Spock's like, yeah, it's logical. Like, this kid makes sense. So it's Kirk very- guarantees the kid a piece of the action. It's very interesting how they um, you see how it affected the kids too. Yeah, like it's the style they grew up in. So like he had a knife, and I think I saw all the kids, all, all the kids in there had little knives instead of guns. You know, all the yeah, kids had still knives. Gangsters. Yeah, instead of guns, and they just and they're talking about hits and piece of the action or whatever, and they're trying to get piece of the action that young or whatever. They just want to be into the action. So I don't know. I just found it very interesting how they uh, wrote that in, in there. Yeah, and this kid's like, oh, hey, you guys about to shoot, like, do, a, like, a shooting? Because I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, 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 okay like that, psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like, like, it's right? just, yeah, like, but it must be just be a normal thing for him, like, a, just a normal day, so I just yeah. assume that he just, this happens every day. Yeah, they're so used to the violence that it's basically just entertainment for him at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they shake hands and seal the deal, and uh, Kirk asks what they need to do, and the kid says that they'll know what to do. And then he walks down the street swinging his knife at, like, trash cans and stuff and just yelling. And, like, he's pretending that he's fighting people. Uh, you know, like kids do. And he goes up the stairs to the stoop and to the guards. And uh, he has a little play fight with them. And they, they're really uh, okay with it, considering the fact that he's, like, slashing at them with a knife. <laughs> they're just like, this is really fun. But, yeah, you're not right. You don't have a gun. And then he pretends to fall and hurt himself. And uh, the kid starts yelling for his dad. So the guards try to help him as Kirk and Spock put their guns in the car. And they approach the kid and the guards, and Kirk pretends to be the kid's father, and he asks what the what the men have done to him. So Kirk then just chops one of the guys in the neck as Spock does the Vulcan nerve pitch to the other one, and then they uh, take the dudes inside and, and put their phasers on stun. But Kirk actually kind of like fights the guy on the way into the building. <laughs> I, yeah. I, um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm glad to see that these gangsters, even though they're bad guys, they still care about little kids, it seems like. Yeah, except for the one that they put all, the barrel of the 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 gun into the baby's face, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, the baby should have had his own gun. Yeah, the uh, when uh, <laughs> when Spock did his Vulcan dev grip on this guy, the way he looked and took in, he made yeah. his eyes roll back was <laughs> yeah, amazing. Dude. Like I'm like, yo, this is the first Vulcan grip I feel like I really felt because I I really really enjoyed the way his his body reacted. He's like, oh my, you know, his like. The, the goofy ma- the the goofy face he made uh, it just it fit perfect and it, it made me laugh actually yeah um so yeah they go actually uh before that Spock is just Vulcan gripping everybody <laughs> really, in this yeah. in this <laughs> yeah. episode at least three this is fourth one <laughs> yeah third or fourth yeah yeah um so yeah, they go inside and they put their faces on stun and they stun a couple of guards and then Krakow comes down the stairs to greet them. And he says he was wondering how he was going to get Kirk back, but Kirk delivered himself. And Kirk says that Krakow has it reversed, but Krakow says that he does not. And then you can hear the sound of a gun being racked behind them, and they realize that they've been caught. And we go to a commercial break. 
Uh, after the break, Krakow is checking out the phasers, and uh, he's asking how they work. And Kirk says that it's bigger than him, Oxmix or anyone else. And Krakow, he's like, just tell me how they work. Like, just stop with this. And uh, Kirk asks if Krakow can trust all his men, because he says that one of the heaters can make a man a pretty big boss. And he's got a good point there. Krakow says he either trusts them or they're dead, and then he looks around and decides that they should probably go into a room and talk about it in private without all of his men around him. Which, uh, that won't end well for him, uh, after you hear, like, hey, one of these heaters will make you a boss, or could make you a boss, and it's like, the boss wants to talk in secret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once they go in the room, and they didn't even go there in private, like, Krakow had two of his guards with him. Like, that Zabo guy was there, and then, like, another guy. And, uh, Kirk grabs, uh, Krakow and says that they don't have time to show him how to play with toys. And he says that the deal is peanuts compared to an outfit like the Federation. And Spock agrees, and he hands, uh, Kirk hands him a phaser. Kirk says that they're taking over the whole ball of wax. Which, <laughs> I mean, he's trying. And uh, he says they're doing that, and if Krakow cooperates with him, then maybe they'll cut him a piece of the action. And Spock says that it would be a minuscule, very small piece. And Krakow wants to know how much that is, but Kirk says that they'll talk about it later. So we're getting, like, the beginnings of gangster Kirk here, which is re- really good Kirk. <laughs> which, is, which is entertaining. Yeah. My only issue with this whole uh, thing is I hate Kirk's hat. What? Oh, I thought it looked yes. good. No, it's 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 uh the material. I can see like little hairs off of it. Like it's not like a regular co- cowboy hat. It's got like some kind of material weird material on it. I can see it. It bothers me the whole episode. <laughs> I was not like, paying like attention it, to it that closely. Dude, uh, it was just the material. Dude, you know me with the whole the whole gear and the clothes, and I checked the costume design and whatever design issue with it. I think it might have been like some kind of wool on the outside of it, and it looked weird, and it kept bothering me. Every time I looked up, I kept noticing this hat. Huh. Besides that, I, I didn't notice issue. it at all. Well, I'm the guy who looks at all the clothes all the time, though. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I would notice stuff like that, the costumes yeah. and everything, so... Krakow asks about their uh, no-interference laws, and Kirk says that they're not interfering. They're taking over. And that actually got me thinking, like, I know that Star Trek isn't really, like, the universe is not really, like, a dark universe. Like, it's kind of more, you know, hopeful and everything's shiny and official and all this. But at some point, there had to have been a captain of a starship that went to a planet that he decided that he wanted and, like, talked his crew into taking over, right? Oh, that'd be a fantastic episode. He's like, look, we got the firepower. Like, what are they going to do to stop us? Like, we could rule this place. Well, hell, one has, of, just, one of, just one of those heaters would be able to make the whole planet submit, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. We haven't we haven't we haven't heard a lot of uh bad starship captain stories yet. Yeah. Because maybe most starship captains they go through some kind of vetting process so well they normally get the best of the best. They never get anybody that goes next level. But but that that well, would honestly, be a pretty like, cool ep- that would be a pretty cool idea for an episode a a rogue. Starfleet captain that just went mad and took over a whole planet. And that's kind of my, like, I, I really enjoy Star Trek and I like the Star Trek universe, but my only complaint is that it's too clean and everybody is like on, you're either like, you know, 100% on the level or you're just like a bad guy. There's no like kind of in between. There seems to be like no switching sides. Like a there's never gray, that guy. Not a lot of gray area. Yeah. And there's never like that guy that, you know, he seems like he's a good guy, but given the right circumstances, he's willing to do bad shit, like, for his own personal gain. Like, the Star Trek universe yeah, is just yeah. too clean and too black and white, I think. Like, I still enjoy it, but yeah, there, there I think that there needs to be... And I wonder if, like, newer Trek has that. 
Because, like, yeah, this is, you know, this is the original series. So they didn't have all this, like, stuff developed and, you know, writing got better over time and all of that. So I wonder if, like, mm-hmm. any of that happens now. I, I also wonder, sure. though, during the time it was being aired, though, the material that we see as kind of more lighthearted, was that considered darker back then? More edgy? Right. Some of it is. I know some of it is, but not not a lot of it, but some of it. Yeah. I just want Rogue Captain taking over Planet for his own personal gain. That's all I want. <laughs> God, I hope Federation that's has to come now. in and they have to, they got to, you know, get into a fight with the Federation or whatever. Federation's like, you can't do that. That's our equipment. You're our people. But whatever. Yeah, so uh, Spock agrees that, yeah, they're taking over. And uh, Kirk explains that the Federation uh, doesn't want to use their muscle because it's not very subtle. Uh, He says that they he says that if they help one guy take over the planet and uh, that guy will pull the strings, but the Federation will pull his strings. So he sits at Krakow's desk and he has Spock sit, sit next to him and basically what's like the lieutenant's chair like the right-hand man chair, and they both just put their feet up and kind of chill. And Krakow wonders what Kirk's cut of this is, and Kirk says that it doesn't matter as long as Krakow's being cut in too. And then they bring up Oxmix, and uh, Krakow agrees to help Kirk. So Kirk calls the Enterprise, and he tells Scotty that they made a deal with Krakow, and he explains that they're ready to make the hit and take over the whole planet. And Scotty's like, uh, is that really a good idea? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Kirk says that they can trust Krakow, but... They don't really have any choice. And he says that Krakow is standing 12 feet in front of him and he's ready to be their pal. Uh, he says that he'd like to show him the ship to show him that they're on the level and that uh, Scotty knows how it is. And Scotty smiles. He's like, oh, I know indeed. Like, Scotty is about to take pleasure in whatever it is he's about to have to do. <laughs> he's like, I'm picking up what you're per- putting down here. Uh, and Kirk explains that they're going to need phasers for Krakow's men and advisors and troops to back them up. And uh, Scotty says that they're preparing everything and it'll be ready when Kirk gives the word. So Kirk just gives the word. And Krakow says that they're, yeah, he's like, hey, you got to start sending your boys down now? And Kirk says, not exactly. And then Krakow gets beamed to the Enterprise. Um, so Krakow's guards come in because they're like, what the hell? They're like, they, they were on the other side of the room. They come rushing to where Krakow was and Kirk and Spock just knock them out. And I want to know why the hell did Kirk shake this guy around like he did before <laughs> knocking him out. He literally just grabs this guy and starts, like, shaking him and then punches him. He just shook the hell out of that man. Uh, I'm not sure what happened this time. Kirk's fighting is not the greatest in this episode. No, it's really weird. He's just, like, spinning people around, like, shaking them a little bit. It's just really weird. Uh, so we go to the Enterprise, and for some reason, they didn't think to have, like, guards and things there when Krakow was there. But it didn't really matter because he didn't try anything. And uh, he's just really confused about what happened. And then Scotty walks in and Crack was like, hey, like, what happened? How did I get here? And Scotty explains that they put the bag on him. And Krakow yells that he has rights. And Scotty says, you ain't got nothing. Yeah, Scotty does it like the funny little like he knows what he's saying. Like he knows he's about yeah. to say something damn that's ridiculous, but he wants to say it anyway. Yeah. And uh, he tells Krakow that he better mind his place or he's going to be wearing concrete galoshes. And Krakow's like, you mean cement overshoes? And Scotty's like, yeah, that's what, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. But, come wait, on, wait. Scotty, it's bullshit. Scotty's done this before, for real. He's not fooling it. <laughs> right. Well, I, I laughed the uh, overshoes. Is that what they used to call shoes back in the day? Right? Yeah, I thought it was just going to be like concrete shoes. But yeah, concrete overshoes? I mean, I guess your concrete it's shoes over your go shoes. over so your shoes. So technically he's correct. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's a shoe that went over your shoe, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's made of concrete. <laughs> like rubber boots. Yeah. 
Uh, so we go back to the planet, and Kirk and Spock nearly get hit by a car as they go to their vehicle. Uh, they, they just never, every time they go, like, back in time or anywhere around cars, they just never figure out how streets work. <laughs> just always, you're always about to get run down. Apparently in the future, you don't have to look before crossing the street. Yeah. No. Spock is hesitant to get back in the car, and he says that Kirk's driving is alarming. And Kirk's just like, no, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm getting the hang of this thing. And then they go to leave, and Kirk takes off in reverse again. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he gets into gear and goes forward. Zabo wakes up, and he calls in all the other guards, and he explains that the feds have snatched Krakow, and they need to move in and stop them. And he thinks that... I love how the Federation is the feds, by the way. <laughs> like, that's just whoever... Yeah. I mean, like, it's obvious, but whoever, like, thought of that in the writing process is fantastic. The genius, Yeah. Really uh, he thinks he thinks that Kirk is going to go back to Oxmix territory, and they decide to go hit Oxmix's place. So we go to Oxmix's place, and McCoy is getting worried about Kirk and Spock, and Oxmix says that Krakow is probably going to send them back on a platter. But then Kirk comes through the door, and he tells Bones, but he calls him Sawbones. He's like, knock it off, Sawbones, because he wants to talk to that <laughs> creep Oxmix. Uh, he says that he's getting tired of playing patty cake with penny ante operators, <laughs> is like, who is a penny ante operator? Like, you're you a penny ante operator. <laughs> I'm assuming that they, he must have watched old like gangster movies, and he's just saying everything, anything from old gangster movies he ever seen in his entire life. Uh, it, I, Kirk is just making this shit up as he goes along, and it's like it's, he's like, we're taking over the whole ball of wax. Like, what? <laughs> that's an old. I, I swear that's an old saying, though. I mean, that probably is. Yeah. I just I feel like he must have watched a bunch of gangster movies. That's how he gets how he gets ready for what, work. What do you think in like twenty years when they make movies about this time period, the lingo is going to be? Oh my goodness, it's uh, going to be the dumbest shit. Yeah, really, yeah, Riz, uh, tw- uh, twerk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fucking cap, no cap, cap, <laughs> uh, caps one. Yeah, cap. God, yeah. I sound old right now trying to figure this out. <laughs> no, they'll, they'll probably, these kids and their damn words. It'll probably in twenty years look back like they only spoke emoji. Yeah, it's just whole <laughs> movies that are just people communicating oh, through emojis over their head to each other. Smiley yeah. face. I'm not Smiley an emoji face. user. Uh, eggplant. But anyway, eggplant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't get on my head now. Going off <laughs> emojis. Oh my god. Okay, never mind. Right, I'm back. Uh, I'm back. Kirk makes Spock sit, or makes Oxmix sit down, and he tells Spocko to cover him. Spocko. So Spocko points the Tommy gun at Oxmix, and that that's actually one of those really good uh, shots that you were talking about, Paul. Yeah. Like, the camera is kind of down, like, low angle, viewing uh, Oxmix and Spock, and Spock does this, like, really just badass-looking Tommy gun swing to, like, point it at him. Sorry, Spocko yeah. does that. Like, cover yeah, like, Spocko. That's, that's what I said. Like, whoever directed, I didn't see the photographer. I'll assume we'll see it at the end the director of photography, but man, like they really got a lot of cool, really cool angles and moments. You're like, Oh man, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. You just like want to screenshot all those moments for something. Yeah. I kind of want to cut together a trailer for this episode that makes it seem like a serious gangster movie. <laughs> you you yeah. Have you ever seen the guy that took, uh, um, Mrs. Doubtfire and cut a trailer into it that makes it look like a horror film? Uh-huh. Like, I bet you could do that with, Oh, it's, it's really, really good. But I bet you could do that with this and make it uh, seem like a, a serious movie. I'm gonna, I think I might try. Yeah. I might try. You could. I, I won't try. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Kirk tells Oxmix that the Federation is taking over. And he offers to cut Oxmix a piece of the pie if he plays ball. But if he doesn't, he's out. All the way out. And Oxmix is like, all right, I agree with this. Kirk then calls Scotty again and uh, asks if he has Krakow on ice. 
And Scotty says that he's there and he's mad. And Kirk's like, all right, Scotty, baby. He says the cool cracko <laughs> until he, he flags Scotty. Dude, Kirk, it, Kirk is heming it up this episode. Oh, it's so good. You know they had fun shooting this one. Like, they had to. Oh, absolutely. And plus, like, the 1920s is, like, my favorite movie time period. I, like, there's just something about it that's just fucking cool. Like, the, the way that they talked and, like, dressed and, like, just the, the Tommy gun is an amazing looking weapon for, like, the yeah. time period. Yep. Like, that time period is, it's like, I don't know if you've, you guys have ever seen Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. That's an amazing mm-hmm. fucking movie, but it's set in this it. time period and it's so good. It was a really good movie, and yeah. Tom Tom Hanks looks amazing in a trench coat, like, with the hat, with the Tommy gun. I have not seen that. I'll have to look really, that up. Oh, it's an amazing movie. Really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Uh, but Scotty is confused about what flag means and kirk is just like just keep cracko there until i send for him <laughs> so he says he's gonna he, he tells crack or ox mix that he's gonna make some old style phone calls and he wants scotty to locate the man on the other end of the blower and give him a ride to the flop and scotty goes <laughs> what <laughs> like he just just point blank is like what <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying here and so uh kirk explains that he wants scotty to find the man at the other end of the phone and transport him to those coordinates and scotty's like okay i can do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> not, not what you're saying though yeah uh kirk hands Oxmix a phone and tells him to get on the blower and call the other bosses and Oxmix says that he doesn't know what kirk's talking about so kirk just tells him to get get with it and uh he starts making some phone calls so he tells scotty to energize and uh the man that Oxmix was talking to on the phone is suddenly transported into the room with them and the guy is, like, understandably freaked out. And Spocko points the Tommy gun at, at him, so he hands over his heater. I started taking my notes that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's, I'm taking my notes that way, too. Uh, Oxmix is impressed, but Spocko says, I would advise you to keep dialing, Oxmix. <laughs> so, like, even Spock is getting into it. It's so good. Uh, so he dials another number, and then we go to Krakow's place where Zabo is explaining to his men that they're going to hit Bella Oxmix's place and nobody comes out alive. And then they head that direction. So we go back to Oxmix, and all of the bosses are there and arguing as Kirk stands on a pool table with a heater, and he tells them that the Federation taking over whether they like it or not. Another amazing image, by the way, and angle yeah. and everything. Like, incredible. Yeah. What an incredible angle. From the angle, from the back angle, you can see... Everybody's surrounding the pool table and then cursing there with the gun. What a really cool, uh, what a really cool angle. Yeah. And uh, he says that they've been running the planet like a piecework factory, but from now on, it's going to be under one roof and it's going to be run like a business. And that means that they're going to make a profit and he's cutting the Federation in for 40%. So one of the men objects and he says that he hears a lot of talk, but all he sees is Kirk and a couple of his boys and no Federation. And Krakow says that they have a ship and that he knows it because he was there. And Oxmix agrees with Teppo, which is the guy that was uh, objecting here. And uh, he says that all he ever sees is Kirk and his crew. So they argue a little bit again, and Kirk is trying to calm them down. But Krakow speaks up and says that he only saw three guys on the ship, and maybe there ain't no more. The, my only issue <laughs> so, with this scene that they had right here, they should have all been highly impressed that they were teleported from a different location to this right. location. Like, obviously, Kirk has some wild technology that would just destroy them. Like, he, they would right, get like, What are you going to do with the spaceship? Yeah, you exactly. can't shoot that with a Tommy yeah, gun. Yeah, no, that's not good enough. Just the transporter thing doesn't scare them. Yeah. Uh, but Kirk tells the guy that there are over 400 guys there, and he's not, but the guy's not buying it. And suddenly, Zabo pulls up outside, and they just start a shootout. So, Krakow's super pumped that his boys are making a hit, and Oxmix is like, ah, my boys are going to put your boys down. And they're like, yeah, you want to bet? So, they do the smart thing to do in every uh, shootout. They go to a window and watch. <laughs> right. 
Krakow takes the Tommy gun from McCoy, like, as they're kind of walking over there. So he just, like, snatches out of his hands, and he tells Kirk and Spocko that if they make one more move, he's going to kill McCoy. So he gets their guns, and Oxmix says that they can make a deal with the feds now. And Krakow doesn't want to, and he says that he's the big boss in the territory now. So Kirk tells them to get the heater down and watch what he's going to fight. Um... Krakow, like, so, so basically he's like, yeah, like, you know, just, just watch what's about to happen here. And Krakow says that Kirk is doing nothing. So Kirk asks if he can call his ship one last time and say goodbye. And Krakow's like, yeah, I'll allow that. Like, why, why would he allow that? <laughs> like, tell, tell your ship goodbye. Kirk calls Scotty. And my, this is my favorite, like, just the stupidest little thing from Kirk. But he's like, Scotty, quake here. <laughs> he calls himself <laughs> quake. <laughs> I don't know why. That's, that's just amazing. Uh, do I have to call him Quake from now on? Yes. Quake and Spocko? <laughs> no, no. Quake yeah. and Spocko. Spocko. Quake, Quake and Spocko. <laughs> uh, he tells Scotty to put the ship's phasers on stun and fire a burst in a one-block radius around him. And uh, Scotty does so, and all of the men outside are rendered unconscious. So Krakow is amazed, and he and Quake says that they're not dead, but knocked out for a while, but they would be dead if he wanted them to be. So Oxmix wants to know about the deal Kirk was talking about, and he says a syndicate makes sense to him, and he's sick and tired of all the hits. And he says there's too many bosses, and they can't get anything done. But he thinks that if Kirk was top boss, they would be able to get things done. So Kirk just tells Oxmix, he's like, look, the Federation's got or can't get connected with a small-time operation like this. And he, he was thinking that Oxmix would be the top boss, and that Krakow could be his lieutenant. He says he doesn't want any trouble with the rest of them, because they'll have to answer to the feds. And uh, he says that he's going to come back every year and take their 40% cut. So if he didn't tell the uh, Federation about this, like, Kirk could actually make quite a bit of money. Oh, yeah, he could. Kirk would never do that. Come on now. I know, but he should. Well, if, if Kirk, <laughs> honestly, if Kirk did, Spock would probably rat him out. Like, hey, hey, oh, yeah. Kirk, uh, this is against Federation uh, laws. Wait, Spock ain't no rat. <laughs> he ain't no rat. Yeah. Uh, Oxmix agrees to this, and then they have a little drink to celebrate. And then... Uh, we go a little bit later to the Enterprise, and Kirk notes that Spock and McCoy have been brooding ever since they got back to the ship. And Spock denies that he was brooding, but he says that he does have reservations about Kirk's resolution, and Kirk is understanding about that. And he says that it's not logical to leave a, a, a criminal organization in charge. Uh, and Spock says that he's also curious how, how Kirk will explain to Starfleet Command that a ship will need to be sent every year to collect their cut. And uh, Kirk just proposes that their cut be put into the planetary treasury and be used to guide the uh, Ioceans into a more ethical system. And he thinks that they'll be forced to accept conventional responsibilities. And he asks Spock if that's logical, and Spock just does not answer. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to guess that means that yes, it is. He then asks uh, Sawbones what his beef is. And McCoy says that he doesn't quite know how to tell Kirk, but in all the confusion, he thinks he left his communicator in Oxmix's office. And Spock thinks that uh, they could take the communicator apart and find out how the trans uh, transstator works. And he explains that the translator is the basis for every important piece of equipment they have, including their transporter and their phasers. And Kirk says that it upsets the whole percentage. And in a few years, the Ioceans may demand a piece of their action. And then they uh, they continue on. But like, for real, they went back to get that, right? Because like, I feel <laughs> like they, they can't leave that there. Well, I can answer well, that it, question it, for you right now, actually. I did some research. They did not. Oh, my God. Hold on. And Star Trek, there's a Star Trek comic book that takes place uh, like 30 years later. They go back to the planet and uh, they, everything has changed based on uh, what happened. 
So there's oh. another, there's an, uh, so it's in the comic book. There's another story. In a good, well, it the in a good way or a bad way? Uh, I mean, do you want to hear that or not? Because I can tell you real quick. I did yeah, a, a yeah, quick yeah, search. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that kid they met, right, has grown up, has grown to be the leader and the adult, uh, adult leader, whatever, and based his whole life on uh, Captain Kirk as his idol. Oh. And so he uh, apparently he finds out Captain Kirk's history and, and decides to become like Captain Kirk. And they go visit the planet. When they get there, he wants he tries to steal an Enterprise with Captain Kirk. Oh, oh, uh, hell yeah! That's a, that'd be a good episode. I wonder yeah. if the comic book is canon or not. Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's still the uh, it's still the Enterprise like Captain Kirk or still Enterprise from Captain Kirk. I assume they came with their relationship years later. And he was all grown up, and he tried to steal right. a, a steal a ship, whatever ship. I said Enterprise, my fault. Steal a starship from whoever, whatever Captain. Kennedy. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, Dan, you want to start us with your thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh, this episode was amazing. Uh, I'm a big fan of the 1920s, 30, you know, gangster era. So you know that was hitting all cylinders. Uh, it was great to actually go to a planet to see, you know, what happens when you know Starfleet interferes with a undeveloped civilization because you know we're always talking about repercussions of what what they're doing throughout the you know the galaxy which kind of lends to that they're probably doing more harm than good but yeah overall this episode even though it was a more light-hearted episode that was supposed to be quote-unquote serious it was amazing yeah i agree with uh, every bit of that it is fun to see like why they have the like non-interference rule because this shit would happen. And uh, like Paul had pointed out, like when they got to that certain point in the episode, like the beginning was, was okay. Like it was pretty good. Nothing wrong with it. But then once they got to the point of like Kirk and Spock put on the uh, gangster suits, like then they just went, they leaned into the episode. Like the comedy of it is just really good the whole way through. I really enjoyed this. I don't have any major issues. I picked on it because I liked it. And it's honestly one of my favorites for this season so far. Like in, it just in terms of like one of the more lighthearted episodes. So uh, yeah, but absolutely loved it, uh, Paul. Um, if I if I cuss on here, which I don't, I will say this is mother effing incredible, <laughs> and it may be one of the best things I've w- watched in I don't know the past like ten to twenty years. Like it is that much fun. Like at, like every time I looked, because like if you guys don't know, like out of everybody here, I'm the movie junkie. Like I watch a lot of movies. I watch. I'm I'm a camera angle guy. I watch directors for directors and what it is. And whoever filmed this like had so many moments of like perfect angles of incredible shots. You're like, oh man, look at this shot. Oh, look at this shot. Look at this shot. Look at this shot. And the story was great. And the only, my only complaint literally was Kurt's hat. The, the material it was, it kept bothering me. <laughs> the fuzz like, on there. It, it just it's just a weird material. But I mean, but that's a real dumb complaint. That's 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 the dumbest complaint ever. But like it was funny, it was harmful, it was cool. Like the only thing now that I know that this comic book exists, I wish there was a part two to this now that they could like they would do this kind of story of after Spock's uh, sorry after Bones lost his thing. That'd be really cool to see an episode of that. Maybe there is on one of the new uh, other Star Treks. I don't know. Maybe there is, but uh, I don't know. I just man, it was so good, dude. I really enjoyed this. I, I think I really it's did. weird that we hadn't heard about this one, like. Everybody, yep. you know, gives their list of, you know, the top Star Trek original series episodes. And they're all, they've always been really good. 
but for different reasons. I feel like this is like the best lighthearted one that we've had so far. Yep. Well, I think this one of the I think this one the one essentials list. I think it might have been. Is it? I don't know. I was to say because I, I would consider this an essential episode, but I don't I, remember I, ever seeing I, it. I don't. I, I might. Uh, it well, should okay, be just because of the 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 yeah. actual plot of the episode of them interfering well, just, with you know undeveloped it, it, civilizations. Yeah, but right. it's not about that. Though. Not about that moment. It's about how incredibly they did it. Because if they did this and it was terrible, we'd be like, "Oh, this is dumb." But they did right. it. They explained it how this one book, one thing they left. They explained how serious it is. They left one book, and that one book they left changed everything. So you're like, man, every time they go somewhere, they gotta be perfect in everything they do. Yeah, because because they even said this. Uh, this society was very um, influential, like uh, influenced very easily. Yeah, they, so they I can just imagine things, them. Yeah. Yeah, leave, leaving that uh, communicator, them studying it, them remembering what the Catholic curtain them were, were wearing, right? And that becoming part of the society of wearing that kind of outfits they wear, and that becomes part of the society. You come there years, they're all wearing Starfleet gear, but it's not Starfleet. It's just the way they live. You know what I'm saying? So like, I can just imagine that, like, it, the next story of this chapter going in the future, and I really wish I could see that. That'd be really cool to see. Right. Yeah, that would be. R- really quick, wh- what do you like more, right. evil Spock or gangster Spock? Oh, I, I'm, oh. I'm all about gangster Spock, but if yeah, I can get evil I gangster agree. Spock, that the would be evil amazing. Evil gangster Spock. <laughs> evil, <laughs> evil, evil mob boss Spock. <laughs> yes. Yep. For real, for real. It's, it's like, logically, I have to put you on ice, and then just mows people down. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> oh my goodness, logically. <laughs> oh, uh, my only my only regret for this is that my notes were an absolute mess for some reason. I felt like I took good notes this time, but also my reading of them were terrible. So that we'll see how that edits together. That'll be really fun. And my only issue is <laughs> I really hope that my mic didn't suck for you guys. I had, I had a mic issues episode really bad. Volume up, volume down. So hey, if if you guys listen to this and mic problems, all right, whatever. My fault. I suck at doing this mic thing. I got to figure it out. Uh, it can be fixed in editing. But <laughs> uh, the next episode that we have is uh, Season 2, Episode 18, The Immunity Syndrome. A giant space amoeba threatens the entire galaxy. Ooh, my That's God. It. Entire galaxy. It must be big, then, like the super blob. Yeah. I'm a giant swimming. space amoeba. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> this show's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God bless me with this one. <laughs> oh, man, it was so good. It really was. No, it really was good. It was really fun, man. I just. It was. I, yeah. I, I, I like watching watch things. Again. Like, I watched, like, I watched the movie uh, Dread the other day, which, uh, I, and I, wa- I watched Dread the other day, and I thought, and I got from the beginning, and I thought, man, this is just so much fun. This, this movie is like, that's what the episode felt like. I watched it beginning to end. I had no complaints. I laughed. I smiled. I smirked. Like it just—it made me feel good to watch this. Like I'm so glad I'm watching the show. I just, yeah. It's always good when you get stuff that you didn't know that you wanted. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like sparking who sparking Kirk against you. Who thought that would yeah. be so amazing? <laughs> Holding cool. down guns. <laughs> like, like, thank you for that, man. I just—I kind of wish that they would have gotten into some sort of shootout, but I understand why they didn't because you can't just have those guys like murking people with Tommy guns. But like, <laughs> Tommy guns. I, like yeah. they carried them around a lot and they looked cool, but they never used them for anything besides like pointing them at a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this was good. This was really good. I so, just... All right, yeah. Uh, 
with that one or with that i guess that uh, will be the end of this episode and we will catch you guys for the next one as always thank you for listening and thank you for your patience as these come out kind of staggered and weird and uh yeah we'll see you next time later people later <laughs>